Hi, this is Jim Lyon, and you're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, my partner at Starbucks, <laughs> Jamie Wilkerson. How are you today? I'm doing great. And when I say my partner at Starbucks, I know that you're a Starbucks fan just like me, and you and I both traffic that same store. Yes. And uh, sometimes you're there with your son, Jonathan. Yes. He's all in for the coffee cake, I think. Yes, he is. I'm there with my granddaughter sometimes. Let me tell you, they're for those cake pops. Have you had one of those? You know what? I haven't. Oh, I haven't oh, tried it I just saw a new one, though. It's a strawberry pop or something. Yes, you have yes. To try. <laughs> that I'm might be you, my first. You may have wondered, but yes, you still have things to live for. Yes. <laughs> you need to get a cake <laughs> There's pop so much more. <laughs> See, you and I are talking about Starbucks as people who don't even like coffee. That's right. But Starbucks has so much more than coffee going for it. And mm. I'm telling you, the cake pop is worth a stop. Okay. All right, but why are we even talking about Starbucks? Well, it's because this enterprise has become so ubiquitous. It's so everywhere. All around the world, tens of thousands of stores, there are Starbucks, the big green sometimes it's called. And I'm thinking as I drive by it, there's got to be some lesson there I can learn about life. They're doing something right. I hear people complain about the cost of the coffee or they think it's inconvenient or they don't want to be in the waiting line of the drive-thru, whatever it is. But no matter what your take on Starbucks, they're doing something right. Are there some life lessons there? That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks here on Viewpoint, and we're going to do it one more time today. Life lessons from your local Starbucks. And, oh, life lessons from truth that is way before anyone even dreamed of Starbucks. Stay with us. Jamie, you know that I grew up in Seattle. That's my home place. And of course, I was going to Starbucks before you were born. <laughs> but I saw a book, and all things Seattle draw my interest. And I saw this book. It was called It's Not About the Coffee. And it's a book about Starbucks written by a man named Howard Bahar. And because of the connection to Seattle and Starbucks, I picked it up. And it's fascinating. It's way better than I thought it might be. Howard Bahar was an executive at Starbucks. He's retired now, but he was there in the early days of the business and he watched it grow. He had a front row seat to the expansion of this global uh, business pattern and uh, its success. And so the book is about the lessons he learned working at Starbucks all those years. And man, it, it's got some real wisdom in it. And the end of the book talks about how important it is to say yes. And he describes a culture at Starbucks where they try and encourage their employees, who they call their partners, to say yes Say yes to customers when they ask for something a little different. Uh, say yes when people uh, maybe push the envelope a little bit. And of course, this idea of saying yes is so empowering, even as we know that sometimes you have to say no. But one thing that Bahar observed in his book is that we all grow up in a world of no's. I mean, when we're children, we hear no more often than yes. So no, you can't go outside to play. No, you can't stay up late. No. You can't not brush your teeth. And, and actually, those no's are appropriate because you have to say no to some things to be safe and to stay healthy. But sometimes we kind of major on the no's, and we don't think about how powerful yes can be. He illustrates that uh, a couple ways in his book. He said that there were some employees at Starbucks who put signs on their cash register saying, we don't take $100 bills. And it's a kind of a no to the customers that, I mean, I don't normally carry $100 bills, but I've been traveling <laughs> some, so I actually have a couple in my mm -hmm. wallet, and I went to a Starbucks, and I, I used it. But after I read this book, I realized it wasn't always that way. 
And I was conscious when I had the $100 bill, are they going to have enough change? I know that, you know, I'm only buying a $5 thing, or actually I'm buying chocolate-covered graham crackers, and they cost $2, <laughs> I can tell you that. Will they have enough change for it and so on? I was conscious of the imposition it might be, but they were so sweet about it and said, no problem, we got that. Well, Bahar tells a story about how that wasn't always the case because it's hard to make the change. You have to have a lot of extra change. It takes time. $100 bills are most often counterfeited, so you assume some risk. And he said that the no was about the convenience and, and comfort of the Starbucks company, not about the customer. And the executives looked at that and said, why don't we just say yes? Whatever the risks assumed by it, it's a greater win to let the customer know we care about you and we want to make this easy for you. And so they started saying yes instead of saying no. And it changed the way the whole interaction took place at the counter. Because now the people behind the cash register are tuned up to hear their customer's need, not their own. I thought, wow. Do you remember another no illustration he gave about people coming to the store early? Oh, yeah. There were some people that were coming. I guess maybe they had to commute to work early or whatever Whatever the case. They would come in um, at least 10 minutes early or so. And and so at first they turned them away. Because the store was supposed to open, open at 9 yeah. and it wasn't open That's right. And but at then, first they turned them away and then what? They said no at first. <laughs> but then that no turned into a yes because, you know, they just started to meet the needs of the people that needed to be, you know, in there and out before they opened the store. So so they started saying yes to those customers and opened they the store yes. 10 minutes before the stated time. Mm -hmm. And the outcome is they've got customers for More life. customers, yeah. <laughs> because once you're honored that way, if you're the, the customer, you're thinking, I'm with these people. That's right. Uh, because they care about me. They bent the rules to help me and so on. It's so powerful, isn't it? So powerful. And I thought as I was reading through that, there are some life lessons here. And so... Bahar realizes that you have to say no to some things, and Starbucks says no to some things. But he says, we need to learn to say yes to anything that will further the mission. So mm -hmm. in the Starbucks context, it's about building out their business and so on and so forth. So think about every question, every opportunity, every challenge, and say yes to it if it can take you towards your mission. Don't just make no your default. And that's a whole different way of living. It's a, it's a powerful life lesson, I think. And I'm, I'm drawing it from Starbucks now every time I go. In fact, I'm going after this recording. I'm going to see if I can get something from that store, if they'll say yes to me. Oh, <laughs> no, yes. No, no. Oh, yes. Actually, <laughs> when I go to Starbucks, they know me. And uh, when I walk in, they, always, they pull out the chocolate-covered graham crackers, which I like. They say... <laughs> Actually, I've had them say, you know what? We have some of those in the back. We saw you coming in, and so we went to get them out of the box because they weren't out front because they're saying yes to me they're as a customer. They're saying yes. Wow. And that matters. <laughs> when we come back, though, Jamie, let's talk about that on a larger stage because you and I don't work at Starbucks, so we may stop to buy there. But there are some truths here that go deeper than any Starbucks book. Actually, goes to the book of the New Testament. Sinner's heart 
As I think about uh, the book, it's not about the coffee, a book written about Starbucks by one of its former executives and some of the principles that have made that such a global success, the company Starbucks. And this last chapter of which says, you know, be a person who says yes. If the yes forwards the mission of the company or whatever your enterprise or ambition, then say yes to it. Don't make no your default. As I've been thinking about that, my mind raced back to the New Testament because Jesus, who I want to follow, was a yes guy. I mean, wasn't he really? Oh, yeah. Wasn't he going through life saying to the 
man who couldn't walk by the pool of Bethesda. Yes, you can. Get up and walk. Or isn't he saying to the fishermen who haven't caught anything over their long night, and he's saying, yes, there are more fish there. If you'll just put the net over on the other side of the boat. I mean, when I started reading the Gospels this way, I thought, wow, Jesus is doing a lot of yes. Of course, he said no sometimes, and there are some things you cannot do. But again, he was empowering people with his yeses. He was daring them, inviting them, challenging them, calling them to something better by saying, yes, yes, you should give that a try. I'm thinking, wow, I want to be like that. And then that drove me to a story where Jesus has an intersection with one of his disciples, Peter famously, where he asks him some questions, and it all comes down to the yes. The questions and the answers are all found in John chapter 21. It's a story of uh, Jesus after he has been raised from the dead, what we call the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And uh, the disciples are, are just agog at this man who has overcome even the grave. But they still have to have his permission. They still need him to put them in a question and answer mode where they can say yes as he says yes to them. So with that in mind, Jamie, take us into the story. John chapter 21, what does it say? Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. The story continues in verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved, who we think was John himself, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. It's it's quite an image, isn't it? The seashore of Galilee. And there they are fishing. They were professional fishermen. They had done their very best, but they couldn't get any fish, it seemed. And Jesus asked them a question from the shore. They can't see him clearly, but they know there's a guy out there talking to them. And have you caught any fish? And what's the answer, Jamie? Have you caught any fish? They said no. 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 It's the big no. (laughs) No. And and it captures their moment, doesn't it? No, we don't have any fish. No, we're not successful. No, we don't know what we're doing. No, we don't know what to do next. No, we're just confused. We're disoriented. Our whole life's been turned upside down. This Jesus guy we were following, he's murdered, and then he comes back to life, but we don't know when he's going to show up again. We had jobs. We left them for him, but now what do we do? No, we don't have any fish. I'm reading a lot into that one word, but that's, <laughs> but that's life, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, 
No. And sometimes we feel like other people ask us questions. They're just simple questions. And our first thing is just no. That's right. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back off. That's the tenor of this conversation to me. And God is sometimes asking us, and we say no to him too. Now, the question is truthfully answered. No, they don't have any fish. But Peter might have said, no, we don't have any yet. No, but I'm going to try again. But see, he was he was done. He was finished. <laughs> his, his life is the big no with a capital mm-hmm. N. But Jesus says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Maybe you should think about your no and turn it into a yes. Take those nets and throw them over. Try it a different way. Try it again. Don't give up. Maybe there's something you don't know yet. And of course, what happens is, the disciples say yes to try. So what Jesus has done for them is he's somehow encouraged them to just try one more time. Don't let your no be the last word. See if you can turn this into a yes. Give it a try. It's worth it. Oh, man, are there life lessons there, Jamie? I mean, oh, yeah. how much in my life do I just want to say I'm done? And mm-hmm. she's saying, just try that one more time. You know that friendship? I'm over that. Well, maybe, maybe there's something more I can do there. Oh, that family relationship, I'm so done with that. Well, maybe you should just throw the net over on the other side of the boat. God has ways of doing things that we cannot even understand. Once the disciples said yes, Jamie, what was the outcome? When they said yes by by agreeing to throw the net over one more time, what happens after that? They catch fish, yes. Yes. And more, then what? There were so many fish that waiting for them in the net, so... Because of their obedience, they received. <laughs> they received more That's right. than they could have had before. And mm-hmm. I think it's striking to me that not only did they get fish, which is what they went out to do in the first place, they had the added bonus, perhaps even more memorable, of having a meal with Jesus on the seashore. Mm-hmm. It's then they discover it's Jesus. That's when John says, it is the Lord, this guy who's talking to us, who's calling us to say yes. It's Jesus, the one they wanted to see more than anybody else, the most sacred dinner of a lifetime. I mean, if I could go dine with anybody, I'm going to dine with Jesus. And they're not only dining with Jesus, Jesus has got the food cooking for them. Yes, he He, prepared the breakfast. He's serving them. (laughs) Think about this. Just because they said yes, how many times do we miss Jesus? We miss the blessing he has for us, the favor he wants to give with us, the comfort and the presence because we're, we're too busy saying no. No, it can't work. No, I can't. No, it won't. No, I won't. Instead of, yes, maybe that's worth a try. Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless i
Jamie, we can't know where our listeners are today and what they might be saying no to or yes to. And you and I are both being convicted by just talking about this stuff. All of us have a story, but maybe there's some good questions that we could all ask ourselves. In fact, how about this? Ask me a few questions and let me answer them. Okay. So do you know when to say no and when to say yes? Oh, ouch. Because (laughs) I have to say no to some things because there are some opportunities that I know will damage me or someone else. I have to say no to that. But learning what is a no and what is a yes, that's a challenge, but I'm praying about that. Okay, well, what about this one? Is there something in your life you should be saying yes to today? Is there something waiting for you that is good, will give life and bless others if you'll just take the dare? Oh boy, did you have to ask me that now? (laughs) Because the truth is, I think often in life, and I'm experiencing this just now. We have opportunities that are set before us and we're afraid to say yes. I'm afraid of the price that might be paid or maybe I'll make a mistake, but deep down inside, I know if I said yes, there could be a lot of blessings for others. And it's hard sometimes to surrender myself to say yes, but great question to ask. What about this question? Okay, so is there someone in your world that you need to say yes to right now for the good? I'm not sure that's so exactly in my circumstance right now, but it may be for one of our listeners. You may have someone in a relationship with you or at work with you or in school with you, and they're asking you for something, and you need to say yes because you know if you say yes, it will be the right thing, the righteous thing to do. But maybe you're too busy or you're preoccupied or you just don't want to to follow through with it, but it's a great question. 
When you're listening to your world, is there someone you should say yes to that will give them life? One more. Have you said yes to Jesus? Wow, great question. And that's the question of the ages for all of us. Jesus is at your heart's door. And he's asking you to open the door of your heart so that he can walk in, so that he can give you life, so that he can help arrange your life and empower your life and breathe life into you, remove your shame, take away your guilt, and, well, give you the power to do good in ways you can't even imagine. I mean, you're there. He's at the door knocking. Will you say yes or no? Have I? Yes, I have. Sometimes I get him in the house and I just would like to go to a room by myself, but then he comes and knocks on that door too. And every time he knocks on the door, I have to say yes because I know he is life. Well, if you're listening to us today, just know that Jesus is waiting to hear your answer. And we want to encourage you, make that answer yes. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you'll be able to know where you should say yes in life and where you should say no in life. And you'll be able to give power to others and call the best out of them. He's going to call it out of you. Say yes to Jesus. How do you do it? You do it right here. You can pray with us. Take a deep breath. Just inhale and exhale and pray. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that you know us. And we're so thankful that Jesus stands at our heart's door. He's knocking so anxious to come in and dine with us. That's what the scripture says. And I pray, Lord, that we will say yes and open the door, each of us, all of us in this prayer. Once more, I say yes to you, Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated holy to thee. I pray that others will say the same prayer. Cause us to be born again. Make us new. Recreate us and empower us with your spirit that we might be people of heaven's yes. May we call the best out of others as we say yes one thing at a time and give us wisdom when to say no. But make us new by the power and by the grace of God in Jesus Christ the Lord. It's in his name we pray, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer with us, or maybe you just want to ask some questions about it, or maybe your head is spinning and you're just thinking, I don't know, saying yes, I don't know what the cost will be. Whatever's in your head right now, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone, and we're always glad to hear from you. But Jamie, I know that some people will be reluctant to call, but they might want to check us out online. Where should they go? They should go to cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply, I promise. Or the last, just write me a letter, send a note. Write it down, put it in an envelope, get a stamp, and address it to Jim Lyon. Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jamie, thanks so much for being alongside. So glad to see you here or at Starbucks or I anywhere. Know. I'm <laughs> on my way to Starbucks. <laughs> it's all for the good, and we're so thankful that you joined us as well. We hope that you'll be back with us again next week when we start a new series here at Viewpoint. But until then, this is Jim Lyon. And for all of us at the Viewpoint team and all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, stay tuned.